0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here and join me each and every week for insights from my guest host and an industry first, a live virtual job tour, a take the automotive trivia challenge, unwrap your fortune of the week, and a whole lot more. The video version of this show is on AftermarketWeekly.com. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It's Carm Capriato. It is Aftermarket Weekly Live. It is a Tuesday at noon. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? we got a great show today. We have data. We have data to share with you. I love survey data, and my favoriteest guy to ever give me any data that I could actually sink my teeth into is Bill Thompson. He is with us today, and he's going to be my guest host. He's been on the show before. He's a great guy, smart guy. We're going to talk about data on private label parts, and also with me for the virtual shop tour is Greg Ritter from Ritter's Service down in Kinmonday, Illinois. Excited to have Greg here with us. A great, great small shop in a small town. We'll talk about that later. Hey, you're in the most unique automotive aftermarket resource that you have. About 25 minutes, we're gonna have a blast just working with you. And we're live from the doorman, OE Fix Studios. Glad to have you here. We're offering great aftermarket wisdom and insights. Let me see, who do I have with me? Mr. Bill Thompson is my guest host today. Hello,
1: Bill. How are you, man? Hello. Fine. How are you? I take it today's a special day because of the tie. Oh, oh, you noticed (laughs) I'm wearing a tie. (laughs) Yeah. So the story goes
0: that when Tom Hamm and I first started this almost a year ago now, we're, that was, let me see, we're in week 44. So that would be 52 coming up. Tom says, Carm, let's be different and wear a tie. And I said, okay, Tom, that's, that's cool. So about every other week, maybe every third week, I wear a tie to pay homage to the hardworking people in our industries. Absolutely. You probably don't know this, but when I worked for Corporate America for about five of those years that I worked, I had to have a tie every day. So I'm not bashful to wear a tie. I have a podography on you, Bill Thompson. Let me show that to you. Oh, boy. Basically means you've heard of filmography or something like that. Well, Bill was on with us, and uh, trust me, you need to listen to Bill. He's a smart guy. Go to RemarkableResults.biz, search for Bill Thompson. We did pre-scheduling appointments. That was a rocket ship type of an episode, Bill. That was fun. It was so much fun. And then we also talked about delayed maintenance and the power of appointments on Town Hall 189, and then we did a thing when we were talking about COVID and disruptions and stuff like that. That was a Carmcast 075. So, Thanks for your kind support for the show. Bill has brought some very Interesting data on surveys. We're going to go out to Ritter's and do a shop tour. We're going to have the fortune, your wisdom of the week, and we're going to do some trivia. Let me show you a picture of Greg Ritter's team. There's Greg Ritter's team, Ritter's auto repair in Kinmonday, Illinois. 800 people, Greg tells me, live in his town. Always great to see our hardworking small business America. Hey, don't forget we have turned Aftermarket Weekly into a podcast, everyone. Check it out on your favorite podcast listening app. Just search for Aftermarket Weekly, and you'll be able to hear this while you're mobile and running around. Hey, let's do our trivia for the week. I don't know if you may know this, Bill, but in 1970, Gremlin was reportedly designed on the back of a Northwest Airlines sickness bag.
1: Why is that not surprising? Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That
0: is really good. What day and year was the Gremlin released? Did you ever hear the story back in corporate America days, Bill, deals were done on the back of napkins? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had that happen to me, by the way, once uh, about t- 15 years ago. Uh, literally a napkin flew across the table for research. It was pretty funny.
0: You can appreciate that. And so this was on the back of, <laughs> of a sickness bag on, a, on an airplane. I love That's it. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, I mean, hey, if you're with us on social media, we'd love to get a like, a share, a comment, check in with your city. That's all just so darn important. And again, thank you so much to Dorman for sponsoring the show. Dormant may be an auto parts manufacturer, but they are more than that. Not only do they design, program, manufacture, and test their own innovations, but hold them to the highest industry standards with you in mind. Dormant focuses on improving the OE in a way that saves installation time and improves on the functionality of the part. Dorman's process is very straightforward with their top-tier team of engineers. They quickly reverse-engineer the OE and start performing rigorous rounds of testing until it's just right. Depending on the part type, there are multiple tests that a part can go through. These include but aren't limited to tensile strength training, salt fog corrosion testing, a million sequences of life cycle testing and extreme temperature performance. Hey, want to learn more? Visit their virtual tour online at dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Yes. One day I want to get down to Philadelphia and uh, do a live aftermarket weekly from the Dorman facility. That'd be great. Hey, look at this coming Friday, everyone. Town Hall Academy. You know, we're into our 200 and How many? 200 and what? uh, 15 weeks. I'm big on ASE recently. I've been doing a lot of stuff on ASE because I believe it's incredible importance to our industry. And as part of our value proposition, rethinking your certification, we're going to talk with Trish Sherator, Mark Murphy, and Jamie Bullis about that. Hey, welcome, Bill Thompson, who's got some really cool data for us. Wow, Bill, I got to tell you, this is near and dear to my heart. We have some slides, some stats to put up. So I'm going to turn it over to you. We're going to talk about private label parts.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, as a reminder, this, I know there's some, you know, folks that repeatedly watch this. This is 500 shops that we're talking to. And we talked to these folks in January, January and February, I think it was, or maybe it was December, January. It wasn't all that long ago. And, you know, I know this is an eye chart, but, you know, we get asked all the time uh, from our customer, our part manufacturer customers and, and others about use of private label parts parts in the aftermarket. It's kind of hard to get a handle on, particularly as, as Carm, you and I were talking about. It's a nomenclature issue when you say private label parts. It can mean a lot of stuff, but we phrase it in in relation to the store brand parts because we're trying to understand, right, you know, the retail store brands, the WD store branded parts, you know, if the usage of those are increasing in relation to actual national branded parts. That's really what we're going for. And we've actually asked this question for a number of years, and I don't think this is any surprise at all but we continually see, you know, folks answering that they're using these store branded parts more and more and more. And their intention to use them is even greater. Without going into extraordinary detail, I think some of the more interesting things, particularly attitudinally, that's occurred, especially over the last year during the pandemic, is there's, you can hear in the voices of the shops their attitudes and, and how they're feeling when you read what they're they're telling us this to me is one of the more fascinating things you know you can always ask hey uh, yes or no do you use something but when you ask them to elaborate a little bit more and you get the verbatim answers and we write those things down you read through them you can kind of get a sense of you know. I'm feeling great and things are going great or not so much. And I think this particular time when we asked about the private label parts, what I thought was really fascinating was, you know, not so much that there was this increased usage of these private label parts as much as there was of the discussion of why right? That's the thing that really, really was a very interesting thing. When you read through the answers and we code them, as you can see, you know, on the right-hand side of this, where, you know, people are saying customers are trying to save money due to the pandemic. You know, those are our interpretations and categorizations of the answers. But what we're hearing are things like we consistently have customers come in that are trying to save money. So we offer them these opportunities. They're less expensive. And we have so many people that are trying to come in to save money. They're asking for them. And we're just categorizing them in these buckets. And we hear we've heard it more and more this time around. If you can even see in August of 2020 what it looked like, there's such a such a stark difference.
0: And you're right. What a huge jump between August 2020 and now. Wow.
1: Yeah. And even prior years. So I would say if you were to even look at prior years in 2018, I can't remember if we asked in 2019. The numbers were similar about they, they maybe they flipped around a little bit but they weren't as high as what you're seeing in this January 2021 where that those mentions if you have nearly 60% of the of 500 people saying our customers are trying to save money. That's really telling you something.
0: You know, the better availability thing was was interesting. 15% from August and 6% now. I'm wondering if there's such a run on private label that it's just getting harder to fill the pipeline.
1: Well, but better availability in this case is only 6% are saying there's better availability. And so maybe you're right. Maybe there's more availability now. And so it's not as big of an issue as customers trying to save money yeah that's how you look at that
0: less expensive more affordable that was a huge huge jump and no doubt there's a lot of people out of work there's a lot of people in in uncertain position in their lives yet some of the biggest bestest shops that i know
1: they're having record year yes but that record year doesn't mean national brand or private label it just means record year right That's right. And that means that
0: they are accommodating their customer, no matter what it is that they know they need to get them into a repair, be it, you know, private label. And you and I were chatting before we went on private label versus store brand. Aren't they considered the same?
1: When we asked this question, we phrase it in relation to private label store branded parts because we wanted to use the store brand because that's really what we were trying to measure. You had mentioned OE parts and there's confusion on what really is an OE part. Yeah. Some OE parts are considered aftermarket parts as well as OE parts. And what we really wanted to know was the store branded part and the usage of those parts. And so we phrased it in a way to kind of get to that.
0: Great slide. Thank you for
1: offering this to our audience. Let's do the next one, Bill. I love this one. This is one of my favorites. We hemmed and hawed about publishing it. I got to be honest with you. Here's the one thing, that orange box in the middle. How many times have you heard people say, do the technicians even know what's in the box? I find this stat fascinating because who's telling people,
0: oh, by the way, my private label or my store brand is packaged by
1: or made by blank. One out of five tell us they know what's in the box. Amazing. Somehow. And to me, that's not unheard of because we've had individual discussions before where for certain categories, they're like, absolutely, I know what's in that box. Then again, you also have to realize that four out of five don't. You know, and I think the real takeaway here is there's two things. Number one, you know, national brands play a role. Right within every shop is the way that we would interpret this. It's it's not all one or the other as you would expect, right? You know, to state the obvious, you know, shops have their preferred brands, whether private label or national brand, and also is highly dependent upon a category. Right. Those are things that that we know that bar chart in the center down bottom really kind of says is if your supplier, you know, it, it really is how off how frequently do you go to a different supplier for national branded parts? So basically, if you're buying in a category that has a lot of store branded parts, how frequently do you go somewhere else away from your pr- first call? Right to go buy that national branded parts. And you've got about 13 or 14% that say always or frequently loyalists for lack of a better term. And then about another 72% say occasionally. That to me says it's category specific, right? Because sometimes they go and sometimes they don't go. But then you've got rarely and very rarely and never at the bottom, which is about as much as the always and frequently.
0: You know, based on category, Bill, I always love to say, hey, Bill, what if we did this survey and did it this way? (laughs) I love to do that with Bill. What if we did one that said, hey, what about a high tech part like, uh, you know, a sensor?
1: We already know that. You do. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know the way that we would say it is defection away from your first call based on the category part. And so we, we are asking, you know, who's your first call supplier for the shop? But then when you're like, for example, when you're presented with a domestic vehicle and you have to replace an ECU, who do you go to? And we can measure the differences to say, oh, well, I went here. And now because I presented with a maybe it's an Asian vehicle and this type of part, I go somewhere else. Right. We kind of have a a good beat on that. Do you ask why? No, no. In syndicated, there's only so far. It's part of the reason why we we do stuff like this. Right.
0: Fascinating. 500 shop phone calls. I mean, that's huge. It's a great, great segment. I mean, even though there's 250,000 plus shops
1: in the US. These are only general repair shops, the independents, if you will. We focus there. Yep, there's about 80, 100,000 of those folks. A final word on this. I'd be remiss to point out sentiment in the very right chart about switching. You know, there's all this discussion about private going entirely private label, having a mix between private label and branded parts. You know, we asked, you know, would you switch your supplier if they went to an entirely private label strategy? And you can see what the results are, right? You've got this likely and possibly makes up the bulk of it. So there's some consideration. And again, you know, if I was reading the tea leaves, what I would say is that's really highly dependent upon the category, you know, but what it really does also say is that it might rub some people the wrong way, depending on how it's implemented.
0: There are so many shop owners that I know that are very loyal to a particular store and or a brand and they stick with it. So when they say, well, we may possibly change, I mean the reason's gotta be right. You gotta be really failing in competitiveness and levels of service and availability to consider that. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Wow. Hey, thank you. Will you stick around and watch the shop tour with Greg Ritter? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Love to. Great. Well, let's move forward. Don't forget that all the episodes, uh, the videos, you want to watch the videos, they're all archived on aftermarketweekly.com. Love to have you go and watch any of our shop tours and watch any of our great stories that we tell every week. Uh, great insights. It's time for your fortune, by the way. Bill, I asked my guest to come on and, and help me break the cookie, the fortune cookie of wisdom. Last week's was unbelievable. It was almost like it knew we were an automotive show. Here's the fortune of the week. A kiss can beautify souls, hearts, and thoughts. That's a little mushy, but I'll take it. A kiss can beautify souls, hearts, and thoughts. So, um, Thanks for that sentiment, Carmen. (laughs) (laughs) Just maybe you need to consider that when you get home to your significant other. (laughs) Yes. Here's what we did this week, everyone. Robbie Bunch episode went out today, the virtual service advisor. I'm telling you you got to listen to this because Robbie comes on and we start talking and him and I decided to create a brand new cottage industry during the episode of the Virtual Service Advisor. It was so much fun. A great episode. Last Friday, Sarah Frazier was with us in Millennials A to Z. And we also put out a great episode, a service advisor role play, uh, part number five with Clint White, Dan McWilliams and Ben Lasour. It was really, really cool. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready very ready to get Mr. Ritter here. Hello, Greg. How are you, my friend?
2: How are you doing, Carl?
0: Greg Ritter out in Illinois. Hey, good to see you, man. Can't wait to see your place.
2: My name is Greg Ritter. I'm from Kimonday, Illinois. Small rural town, 800 people. So I reach out uh, actually with free pickup and delivery up to 50 miles away from my shop. That's what's really grew my business is pickup and delivery. I actually do not promote waiters. I, I really don't even have a waiting area that is very big, room for two chairs, and that's it. So pretty much pick up delivery and, and take it back to serve the customer better.
0: I love it. And Greg was telling me yesterday he has 800 people in his town. He does a hell of a business, yet he's got to reach out 40-some miles to do a good job.
2: Yeah, it's really amazing what it's done to my business doing that. I started a business coach about seven years ago, realized that if I was going to grow in the way I should, I was going to have to offer a service like that in order to be able to reach out
0: wonderful well let's see your very humble but very very nice business you know this is small business america and i totally love it and i know we've done some really great shop tours with really big places but greg is going to come on and show us his two bay operation and i know that there's an awful lot of my listeners that are small two bay places that continue to struggle a lot i think we got it we're looking at a stone driveway my friend
2: I guess a rock driveway. I've never uh, uh, done any concrete or anything. It seems like I get by pretty well with it. Good. I have parking that is over to the side. I've got uh, all the way to the next street, so I've got several rows of cars down through there. Got our smokers here. We've been doing vision training this uh, last week as well as this week. So our technician brought in uh, his smoker. We've been having some awesome food.
0: Are you smoking anything today?
2: No, I'm not actually today. Maybe later this afternoon.
0: And Greg is a guy who would shut his shop down and take all of his people to Vision, but now he's doing it virtually.
2: Say it's a big change. I definitely want my guys in training. Excellent. Kind of grow to the point I would like to do an addition. So I just recently purchased a house and uh, all the lots all the way across the end of my lot. So I have uh, plenty of room for expansion now. I'll walk back behind my building to show you that. I've got a house that the fire department is going to burn down, so I've got this whole space right here, all the way across the lot. So I've got plenty of room for an addition.
0: Greg, there are probably shop owners that are envious of the uh, the land space opportunity that you have to grow. Now, would you add two more bays or even more?
2: Probably even more. I think my area that I think uh, we're going to continue to grow. We've got a lot of potential, I believe here yet.
0: Good for you. Uh, that's just just great to hear. Now we I see we're going to go in the front door.
2: Got my sign up for my training, because like I say, we normally closed right now until, until after classes is out. My office and waiting area, like I say, is very small. I built this actually when I was 23 years old, built it for myself and thought I would just uh, run it by myself. It didn't take me long to realize I outgrew that.
0: I love this. This is a great story. <laughs> 23 years old and you built this. Wow.
2: Yeah. They have got my area that I work right here. I'm a small desk, but we do people squeeze behind it. But I have my TVP for auto vitals there on the right. Uh, Inspections, edits in the middle there. And then I run NAPA tracks as my shop management system. Then I have another service advisor that has a laptop right here. She's actually currently in training with with some of the vision recorded classes right now. Excellent. All my techs are taking a class right now. They're all on headphones, sound deadening so they don't have to They'd be interrupted by phones and things like that.
0: It's rare to see a clean, empty shop. This is, I mean, I know you're in training. I get it, but that is really sharp.
2: So I just put in two new lifts this uh, about three weeks ago. I had lifts that have been here 26 years. So I was getting safety issues with them, as well as bent arms and a few things. So I put in two new rotary lifts there. I uh, got those up and running just here recently. I've got a uh, wash uh, area for the techs right nearby the bays. Got tire machines. We actually uh, sell quite a few tires for a small area. Do pretty well. Got a tire bouncer back in the corner. I have central air here, so my techs, whenever it gets heat of the summer, they don't slow down. And it's, it's amazing the efficiency and how much more they get done whenever I uh, not have to slow down because they're getting overheated. I've got the Snap on Zeus diagnostic cart with intelligent diagnostics. We are very well known for drivability in our area. So we uh, do really well with that. We also have auto ingenuity scan tool that seems like kind of fills in some of the gaps that uh, maybe snap on misses a little bit. Um, got Bernie Thompson's ATS scan tool as well. And we also have the Ford IDS scan tool. I hired a tech out of uh, Ford dealership, about 13 years of experience there. So whenever I hired him, we kind of discussed in the beginning that I wanted him to be back to the same level he was when he worked working at the dealership. So within a year, we we put him in to uh, a Ford factory scan tool. Here's my other two guys doing training right now. Two of them there, toolboxes on the back wall, as well as uh, another tech over here in front of his box doing training through vision also.
0: This is an opportunity I would have never expected to have. Uh, I almost need to pull this out, Bill and Greg, and show the industry how it really works closed the shop. Are they all watching something different or the same training?
2: Two techs that's over on the table here is watching the same thing. It's actually an air conditioning class through Vision. I believe Matt has watched DPF class from uh, from Vision. I bought them all sound deadening uh, earphones because I want them to be able to take whatever classes that they had the biggest interest in. I do not steer them for their training. They know where they want to train, and that's where I want them to go.
0: So impressed. So, so impressed. To me, the big takeaway for this tour is the commitment to training and great small shop, clean. You've got the latest equipment. You care about making sure that these techs are on the cutting edge. And probably for 40 or 50 miles, the world comes to you for diagnostic problems, even other shops, I bet.
2: Right. We're well-known, and we get shops as well as dealers that sends us problem cars.
0: Great stuff, Greg. Thank you so much for this. Is there anything else that we didn't see?
2: I've got BG. Uh, we push preventive maintenance very hard. We've got a lot of BG product. We also have a smart washer. That, uh, I think's a very good thing to go green with. Uh, you don't have to worry about the uh, cradle-to-grave law with it. I've got a storage room back here, very small. Like I said, I kind of wish I had built it bigger. But I have parts that comes in right here, and then uh, the cores and returns goes on the other side. I have one tech that uh, worked for me about 20 years, and he has since slowed down a little bit. We moved him into tracking his parts when they come in. He does pick up and delivery. He does different things like that. So he's kind of an assistant to all of us.
0: Thank you. A very, very good tour, Greg. I appreciate it
1: so much. I don't know about you, Bill, but I loved what I saw there. That was fantastic. You're so right about the training piece of it. You know, that commitment to training is really, really great. I love the pick up and drop off piece, too. That's just the coolest.
0: Concierge service. Doesn't matter where we got to go get you, but we're going to go and get you. Hey, let's finish off the show. Thank you all for being here. Let's do that trivia thing thing. In 1970, Gremlin was reportedly designed on the back of a Northwest Airlines sickness bag. What day and year was the Gremlin released? Well, it was April 1st 1970, (laughs) it was an April Fool's joke. Again, why am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you not surprised? I hear you. Always some great fun stuff to learn here on Aftermarket Weekly. Next week, Mitch Schneider from Mitch's World and the book Misfire is going to be with us. I love to have Mitch on like once a quarter. He's just so much fun to talk to. And we're going to go down to Green's Garage in Miami, Florida, where Orestes Triana is going to give us his tour out in Miami. Thank you so much to my friend Bill Thompson and Greg Ritter for being on the show. Greg, wonderful tour, Bill. Always a profound bunch of survey data to uh, rock us up for a little bit. Give us 24 hours of think time by all the great stuff Bill brings. And until next week, everyone, peace. Thanks for being here.